0: Number three, week number three of being wrecked. And so the first week, we talked a little bit about rejection and what it is to know about rejection. And we looked at Jesus as our example. And do you, does anybody remember where we ended up at that first week? What was the, that main passage? What was the last kind of thing we landed on? So You didn't know you were going to get quizzed today, did you? Yes, at the very end of rejection, we used Romans chapter 8, and we had one main kind of idea there that nothing can what? Separate us from God. Right. Did you notice as we sing that song, uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear, what's the refrain? I'm a, I'm a child of God. Do you see how those things go together? Right, it's been interesting because even as it's, I think it's interesting you guys would I don't know how you think about it. When I've been pulling out my resources for this series, in many of the sermons when I've talked about these topics, that Romans 8 passage I have somewhere in the message. Right? Because that perfect love, what does perfect love do? It casts out fear, doesn't it? Right? And this stuff that we're looking at, really everything we're looking at is kind of has fear underneath it. And we're going to see today, again, this same idea that when we recognize who we are in God, we can figure out how we're going to conquer and overcome some of our fears. Today, I have a lot of scriptures. If you guys will try to listen quick today, I'll try to go and move fairly quickly, but I want you to just pay attention to the Lord. Not so much to me, but listen to the Lord today and see what scripture he's going to use to speak to your heart. We want to start today in Psalm 34. Psalm 34. We're going to spend some time in two stories, in just a little bit, in in the Scripture, but we want to start here today in Psalm 34. Let's look what David has to say about fear. Psalm number 34, beginning in verse 4, David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Let's read that one more time. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I'm not going to preach from this passage today, but I want you to let that soak into your heart. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Down in verse 17 of that same chapter, listen again to what David says and how the Lord speaks. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. And in verse 18, one of my favorite verses of all the scriptures, the Lord is close to whom? Isn't that good? <laughs> the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. All right, today, if you know somebody who's brokenhearted, maybe this week you're going to walk into somebody who's brokenhearted. Be mindful of this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord does that. Man, that's good. Verse 19, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from, the, from them all. Do you see that the righteous people aren't guaranteed to not have troubles? As a matter of fact, it looks like they're going to have many troubles. We know that, don't we? Okay, but the Lord delivers. Verse 20, again, here we see a scripture that's a prophecy even about Jesus. He protects all his bones and not one of them will be broken, which came to pass at the cross. You guys know quickly the cross, right? They would break the legs of the person being crucified so that they could no longer breathe and they would suffocate, but they didn't break the legs of Jesus. And this is another prophecy about him. Verse 21, evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. And again, real briefly this morning, I want you to see this is long-term thinking, okay? This isn't just five-minute thinking or one-week thinking or one-year thinking. We're looking at the big picture, and God says, ultimately, anyone who takes their refuge in him, there will be no condemnation, right? Even in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Today, seek the Lord, he will hear you. He will deliver you. That's what the psalmist reminds us about. I kind of like this quote, when you're up to your neck in alligators, it's difficult to keep your mind on the fact that your primary objective is to drain the swamp. If your job was to drain the swamp and there were alligators everywhere, are you going to get your job done? Okay. The Lord has a purpose and a plan for you today, doesn't he? Right? Right? And sometimes it may feel like all you can see around you are the alligators. Rejection, anxiety, fear, chaos, everything around you is a mess. You have a purpose, but you can't even get to your purpose because all you see are the alligators. And so today we're going to look at maybe how the Lord can open our hearts, so how we can navigate through these fears. What are you afraid of today? Help me out here a little bit. What's, what's your, uh, I always love to watch the show Monk, and Monk's got like a list of 10 things that he's afraid of. I didn't write them down. But what, what's your top fears today? Give me a, a major fear that you have. That the world will overcome children. Okay, that's a very serious fear, right? Yeah. Dasha, what's a fear you have? Mild, a okay, a, a mild one, not a major one? Mild. mild, okay, good. What other phobias or fears do you have today? Anybody scared of spiders? Not too bad. Oh, there's maybe one. How about snakes? Anybody scared of snakes? A few of us a little bit and not too much of snakes, right? How many of you are slightly afraid of public speaking? <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, I'm going to have you stand up here in just a little bit and share with us. Um, anybody afraid of playing an instrument in front of people? What fears do you have today? All right, so I want you to think a little bit about that this morning. Some of those are fun. Some of them are definitely much more serious than that. A few others that you might come to mind. Anybody afraid of flying, getting on a plane? Um, Anybody afraid of uh, thunder and lightning? A few people like that, right? So kind of along the lines where Michael was headed to, sometimes we have fear about not being able to meet our needs of our family or we're afraid of some sort of disease or sickness. Have you ever been afraid of disappointing your parents or a coach or a friend? Your preacher's probably his number one, he's afraid of failure. I'm not exactly sure where that comes from, but somewhere in my DNA, I'm afraid to fail. And so what does that, you think, that what does that do to me a lot of times? If I don't try, then I don't fail, right? Some kids re- re- react that way, don't they, right? Well, if I don't really try my hardest, and I know I'm not trying my hardest, then if it doesn't turn out okay, well, then I can say, well, that's because I didn't try my hardest. Right? Afraid of failing, okay? Maybe you're afraid of losing someone or losing something or losing your reputation. So how do we deal with fear today, especially any of these fears? And today, you might think of a fear that you have, and for most, many of us, it's probably a fear that's in the future, something that's about down the road or something. We may be afraid of that today. Well, let's look at two stories today. And I want you to kind of work with them, uh, with me through them. And let's see how the Lord would speak to our hearts and encourage us about how we can kind of face some of our fears. Let's start in Mark chapter 4. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 35 there. And we're going to look a little bit about being afraid in the storm. Afraid in the storm. Book of Mark, Gospel of Mark, Chapter Four, Verse Thirty-Five. The Scripture says this: That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, "Let us go over to the other side." Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. Now, what I want you to see here already from this passage is what we can learn from Jesus: is He was about His Father's business and His Father's mission. He's actually on his way to a region called the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes, depending on the languages you look at. And ultimately, he's going to heal a man there who was demon-possessed and going to change his life forever. He had an appointment. He had a mission. He was following the Lord's leading, and he was on that path. And because of that, what you're going to see in Jesus is he doesn't have fear because he knows the Lord has a plan to take him where he needs to go to do what he needs to do. Can you hear the Lord speak today? If we can get on mission with the Lord, it may be the darkest, scariest, most dungeon-like place in the world, but if the Lord is with us to accomplish that, is he going to protect us to accomplish that? Is he going to deliver us to see it happen? He is. And so that's why we want to be following in the Lord's footsteps where he wants us to go. Even before the great miracle that Jesus would do, uh, God's purposes are being made known right here in the middle of this storm. Now, again, I want you to be mindful of this. Jesus didn't exactly promise disciples that they would make it across the sea. He knew he would, (laughs) but there might be some trouble. He knew the purpose that God had for his life, and he's not worried. Just briefly this morning, Jesus was a man of great Purpose, And this is what always challenges me. There wasn't a wasted moment, a wasted footstep. He knew when to what? Rest and when to work. Think about that for a second. There is a time to rest. And a lot of times preachers are really good about never finding a time to rest and trying to push everybody else to keep going, don't quit, and keep fighting, don't Stop. But there is definitely a time to rest. And Jesus knew about that as much as he knew about the work. He didn't have a wasted step. There was a time when he would turn over tables in the temple. And there was a time when he would put a little child on his lap. All right? Think about that. There's a time we're going to need to be angry at sin and maybe even a sinner. And at the same time, value them like we talked about in our Sunday school lesson, right? That they're created in the image of God. So we have to balance these things out, step in the Lord's spirit, and do what he says when he leads. Jesus was always led by his Father's will. Being led by God is one of the keys to dealing with your fears. Right? I'm not going to break all this down for you this morning, but think about this again today. If you're facing a lot of fear, what you need to do is try to find the path and the steps and the leading of God's spirit that's where your path to peace is going to be. Now the problem is, again, the alligator's in the swamp, right? The stresses sometimes make it really noisy, make it hard for us to hear and find and follow the Spirit, but that's where we got to get to. So whatever it's going to be for you to find that path to know the Lord's leading, it's probably going to be scripture reading, it's probably going to be prayer, it's probably going to be worshiping, it's going to be filling your mind with good things, it's going to be around people who are following the Lord as well. You're going to need to do things like that so you can follow the Lord's Lead. That's going to be one of the best ways to make your way through the fear. Well, look in verse 37. Mark chapter 4, verse 37, the Bible says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown?" Now, Galilee isn't the Atlantic or the Pacific, but it was known for its storms. Have you ever been in a boat during a storm? My dad had this uh, fiberglass boat, and it had a mosquito on the motor. It was only about a 25 horse, so it wouldn't go that fast. And we would go fishing. My dad fishes all the time. And I was probably like eighth grade, ninth grade. And we were out on Clinton Lake. And as we're out on the lake, what's cool about the lake is that like, you can see the storms from way away because you know you have the horizon, you can kind of really see it. And Dad could tell, He's like, boy, those are there's some rain really coming there. We better get in. So we're on this little bitty old boat, twenty five horse motor, rum 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 We're going over the waves, and the water starts bouncing in the boat, and it's raining in the boat, and we're in this little bitty boat. I'm just slightly nervous. My dad says to me, "Okay, I'm going to get the truck." and you try to put the boat on the truck. Okay, I'll do my best, you know. So dad hops out, and then I get back in the boat. Still, as I'm backing the boat out of where I let my dad off, guess what happened is the waves are coming to the shore, and I'm backing up the boat. More and more water is pouring in the boat, right? Okay, so I turn the boat around, spin it around, and dad gets the, the trailer down, and I start to I get the boat and I ram it as fast as I can because I'm not a good driver on a boat and I just rush it right up the boat trailer and it goes kind of sideways on the trailer and dad's like get out of here boy let me get this right that's how my dad would that's about exactly what he would say probably he wouldn't yell but that's about how he would say it so he gets in the boat and he backs up the boat off the trailer because it's all crooked on the trailer and what happens is he does it more and more water is taken in the boat so a boat has a plug in it, at least these little John boat type things do. And so my dad decides he's going to try to take the plug out and run the motor so that the water will run out because it's getting so full. Well, As he comes back around, he makes his loop, and on the way back, he looks like Yosemite Sam going down with the ship, and the boat goes to the bottom of the lake, about 13 feet deep. Uh, later on, they get the boat out of the lake, and we kept fishing with it later, okay? I have experience with storms. And boats, just to say, let you know that this morning, okay? And there is a time, especially when you're out there, you're like, oh no. And the fear can really rise. These men, they're with the Master, but they're in a boat, and what is he doing? (laughs) He's asleep. They are afraid for their very lives. They're thinking, we're going to die out here, but think with me just for a second. These same disciples had just listened to Jesus speak of God's sovereignty, of the kingdom as a little mustard seed. They've already seen him turn water into wine. They saw him heal a man on the Sabbath. They had walked with him everywhere he went, and yet in the middle of the storm, what do we find out about them? They were afraid. They did not see what Jesus already knew. They only saw water, and they saw lots of it. We see problems but what does God see? Opportunities, right? Have you ever been through that fearful place only to come through it and be like, oh, what was I so afraid of? All right. Have you ever been through the fearful place like I was with the boat and you were like, that's what I was afraid of, it went down, <laughs> right? There's sometimes those things are legitimate, right? And yet the whole time the Lord never leaves us. Here they were with the master. All they could see was the alligator. All they could see was the storm. They couldn't see what God was going to do to them through this process. And the thing I want you to see again is Jesus was asleep. He wasn't nervous. He wasn't afraid. He was on mission. And part of the mission was rest so that he could go and do what he needed to do later down the road. Sometimes we see someone that is dying, but maybe God sees someone coming home. You ever thought about that? From our perspective, it's like, oh no. But maybe from God's perspective, it is, I can't wait to be with this person. We sometimes don't even know how to pray or what to pray for, but God's Spirit intercedes, Romans 8 tells us. When we don't understand, it becomes a matter of trust. Again, Jesus was asleep on a pillow. The opposite of the attitude of the disciples, and here's the key. He knew what they did not know, and he knows what you and I don't. What are you afraid of today? Right? I don't know how we're gonna pay this bill. God knows. I don't know how we're gonna deal with this sickness. God knows. I don't know how I'm gonna help my kids be what that God wants them to be. God knows. Hear the Lord speak today. He knows what we don't know, and that's why we need to put our trust in Him. Now, I'm sure the disciples would have much preferred if Jesus would have calmed the storm before the waves ever entered the boat, right? Are you with me in this kind of thing, thinking? Lord, why do we have to go through the Red Sea? Why do we even have to have that? Why do we have to have the fire for the three Hebrew boys? Why do we have to have a lion's den? Why can't you just make it easy and nice and no problems? But we know that's not how these things come to pass. We don't want the bad stuff or the junk, the bills, the cancer, the hurt, or the death. But again, the Lord knows what we don't. And he knows where it is leading, and he knows how it can be used to draw us to him. The disciples wanted something done immediately, and Jesus was waiting. What did we talk about last week, right? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up in due time, right? That's the hard one again today. And we need to help each other in that, right? Because while we're waiting, we need somebody to walk with us. There's a really good song by John Waller, by the way, if you ever heard it, While I'm Waiting, you ought to check that out. And that's a great reminder that, yeah, while we're waiting, that's why we, we have a body. That's why we encourage each other even today. How many times do we want something now and the Lord is waiting? We think we're about to die or to drown or be swallowed up by the alligators and the Lord is waiting. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to be so led by him that we can sleep in the hurricane. What do you think? Can you sleep in the hurricane today? Yeah, I got a bill this week and there's no way I can pay it. That's okay. I'm just going to rest. The Lord's taking care of it. Anybody got that kind of faith? Yeah, I know I'm supposed to have this great big meeting with my boss and I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but the Lord knows how it's going to turn out. I'm going to prepare and I'll be ready. And so it'll be fine because the Lord knows what he's doing. That's some serious faith, isn't it? And that's what the Lord is calling us to. I love this here from Daily Bread. Uh, This is about Hudson Taylor. Missionary statesman Hudson Taylor had complete trust in God's faithfulness. In his journal, he wrote this. Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well what his children wake up with, or they wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained millions of Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect he will send 3 million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. Here's his quote. I love this. Depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack what? God's supply. You can take this to the bank. And Hudson Taylor is an unbelievable example of this. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Give us our daily bread, right? What is God wanting of you this week? If God wanted me to go to India, I believe he did, he made the way for me to go. He made the path, he made the plane, he provided the money, he gave the opportunity. And I was able to do that. I would have never thought in my wildest dreams that could ever happen, right? But that was what the Lord wanted, and he made a path for that. What does God want to do? I had a a dream earlier this week that it was this side of the church, and it was completely full of people, (laughs) And if and when that is God's work and his will, can he supply that? You guys, he can turn it so fast. If we didn't learn anything at Easter, we should know that, right? God, he brought the showers that day. We've been getting little mercy drops in here and there, and he brought more visitors than we had our regular tenders on one day to remind us that I can turn this around so fast in that respect if I need to. Trust me to do my work in my way, and I will supply the need. And that applies to your life too. Right. So don't get too concerned and worried and anxious about that. It's just not going to happen. If it's the Lord's work that he's wanting to do and you're confident in that, move forward and trust him to provide the need. All right, look in verse 39. The scripture says that he, being Jesus, got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, peace be still, the King James says. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid. I love how Jesus can get away with things that we can't, right? (laughs) Why are you so afraid? Do you still, do you still have no faith? I've turned the water to wine. I've healed the blinded eyes. I've raised up people who couldn't walk. Why are you so afraid? Verse 41, they were terrified. Or amazed can be translated either way. And they ask each other, who is this? Now, this again, think back to my little experience on that John boat on Clinton Lake on that day. And if somebody had been in the boat with me and just said, peace, and then the whole lake instantly was calm. Wow, that is who is walking with you. How many times has the Lord delivered you? How many times has he done a miracle in your life and you have to still like, I'm so scared to death. God, why don't you wake up? You're not doing anything for me. (laughs) And he says, why are you still not believing? Why are you still afraid? And we know this to be true. Safety consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God, Right? Safety consists not in the absence of danger, but in the very presence of God. Jesus speaks to the sea and the wind stops and the sea calms. And if the only disciples had known what Jesus did, uh, they marveled, they are amazed. And I'd ask you this morning, are you marveling at the Lord and seeing what he is doing in your life? Or are you fearful and afraid and crying because of the waves? How many times we forget the master of the sea is in the boat with us. How many times we could have peace in the storm if we would trust the Lord with our worries? Again, I'm going to hit you up again like I did last week. We had a good conversation about some of this with anxiety and arrogance. Today, I want to remind you of this, and this is often the case. Worry is often, not always, but is often a lack of faith. Worry is sometimes saying that you believe that God doesn't have control over a situation or he more likely isn't controlling it to your pleasure. If only we would live as we believe. Briefly, hear me out real quick here. The point of this story is not that Jesus will calm your troubled waters. Are you hearing me today? Right? We saw in Psalm 34 right at the beginning, the righteous will have many troubles. Okay? Okay. And I'm out here today to say that, well, if you just have faith and you believe, then the seas will always be smooth and calm. Okay? We have enough examples. We have John the Baptist. We have Stephen. We have all those people at the end of Hebrews chapter 11 to remind us that the sea is not always calm, is it? Okay? That's not the point of this passage. Sometimes, if you will, the ship sinks, sometimes the water drowns, and sometimes the winds increase. But the point of this is, look at the God whom we serve. It is God, the creator that is walking through us with these things. And we've got to see the big picture. So we need to live as Jesus did. We need to live with purpose. Today, again, hear me out. Do you know what the Lord wants from you today? Are you able to hear and follow along? The timing, are we always complaining about when things don't happen in our time? Are we trusting the Lord on his timing? And finally, power, we can do all things through Christ with us. He is in the boat with us. Okay, first story there. Everybody got a little bit of an idea of how we saw the disciples face their fear, how Jesus kind of corrected them and called them out on that, okay? Second story today is probably my all-time favorite story in the Bible about faith and fear. And it's over in Mark chapter 5. So let's look at Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at a ruler, a synagogue ruler's faith or his belief. Mark chapter 5, and let's look at verse 21. Mark chapter 5, verse one. and when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, look what he did, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. Okay, a few things about this, to get acquainted with this morning. Jairus it was a synagogue ruler, so he's a man already of authority. He's a man who speaks and people listen and do. He's used to those types of things. He's a man of prom- prominence. He was probably used to controlling many and most situations. He is in dire straits. His daughter is dying and he knows it and there's nothing that he can do about it. And so today, I hope you hear me out as well as this. I'm not telling you today just to ignore your problems like they're not really there, but Take them to Christ, right? What did we look at in the last week? Pour out your heart to God. What did Peter say? Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you, right? That's what Jairus was doing. Today, if your heart is fearful, if it's anxious, if you're feeling rejected, give it to the Lord. Take it to him. And that's exactly what Jairus does. He goes to Jesus because he knows this problem is beyond him. Can you imagine feeling this helpless? I bet you can, right? Somewhere in our life, along the way, we probably felt this helpless when we cried out to the Lord. I remember um, 1996, it had been July the 11th, Brooklyn, the day she was born, and I thought I was going to lose my wife that day in complete helplessness and asking the Lord to deliver. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Right? You guys all have your stories too, right? But the Lord can and does deliver, and he does deliver for eternity. If he doesn't deliver here, we have to trust him in these things. Jairus takes a step toward Jesus, hoping and praying that just maybe he will do something about his situation. This is J.G. Machin, and it's so good. The more we know of God, the more unreservedly we will trust him. The greater our progress in theology, the simpler and more childlike will be our faith. On Wednesday night, we talked about the same idea as we looked back at Psalm 86. And what I tried to point out to you is the more you know the character of God, then the easier it will be to trust him. Instead of singing about all of our experiences and singing about ourselves and telling all of our own stories and seeing the scriptures all in the light of our own eyes, we need to get a focus on Jesus and on what God has done. And the more we know of him, then the more we'll be filled with strength and peace and joy. We've got to get a focus on him. That's what JG, or yeah, J.G. is saying there. The greater we grow in our theology, the more we know about who God is. Theology is the study of God. The simpler and more childlike will be our faith, which is what Jesus is expecting. Right? The faith of a child is what will change your heart. Uh, Again, another scripture we've read before in the Psalms, I almost slipped until I entered the sanctuary, that idea that when I come in the presence of God, I find strength. Or you guys remember in old Job chapter 38, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? The more we know of God and even Job's whole mindset changes as he encounters a sovereign and a holy God. In order to exercise faith in the Lord, we must realize first our helplessness. And this expresses itself in humility. Right. What did we see again last week? Uh, the Lord will basically abase the proud, but he will lift up the humble, right? We have to come to the Lord in desperation. Jairus is doing just that, acting on his faith. He is seeking out the Lord. And we too must do more than just say, I believe we must take steps. We must make action. I like this quote here too. Sometimes the action is praying. Sometimes the action is moving. But most of the time, what is it? it is both, right? Lord, I pray that you will bring people in here that can hear the gospel and their lives can be changed. I could just sit here and pray and keep doing that, which would be a good thing, but I can also go out and hang out Easter bulletins, right? I can also share Facebook stuff with my friends. I can also invite friends from work and talk to them as well. Most of the time, the things that we need to do are going to be both prayer and work combined together, and we need the Lord's leadership in those things. While Jesus was still speaking, there were some men that came from the house in verse 35 of Mark 5, uh, the synagogue ruler, and here is what they said. And you guys, right in the middle of this, just so I think you're mindful of this, you probably know this, but just so you know, um, we have the woman with the issue of blood, right? Do you remember her story? I'm going to tell her whole story, but she had been desperate, tried doctors, spent all her money, finally comes out of the house, runs to Jesus, touches his garment. And Jesus is speaking to her. He calls her daughter, and he tells her that she has definitely been healed. He recognizes power went out from him. Right in that moment, in the midst of this crowd, all these people around, this woman has had this fantastic miracle, and these men come from Jairus' house, and they say the worst thing that anybody could ever, ever hear. Jairus, she's dead. It's over. I don't know right and what we have to find within us is to know the lord's mind to know his heart so we know when to move and when to sit still and so these people come to Jairus and they say don't bother to teach you anymore it's too late he can't do anything about it it's done and maybe people in your life are telling you different things in that way they're saying it's too late nobody can do anything about it it's over it's done But maybe the Lord is going to speak something to tell you that maybe it isn't. You have to discern that. Are you hearing me today? You've got to discern that. That's the hardest part is discerning that. All right. The expression of these men says it all. She's dead. Jairus, your daughter is dead. The terrible feeling that must have come over Jairus when he heard those words. Uh, The world had given all hope up on Jairus' daughter and they will even... uh, They'll even mock because of it. Now, fear could have completely taken over Jairus in that moment. Uh, (laughs) Why would the Lord even say anything like this? And if you look in verse 36, here's what I want you to catch. This is Jesus speaking. The guys come in. They say all hope is lost. Forget about it. And Jesus, ignoring what they said, told the synagogue ruler, what did he say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now you've got to be quiet enough and you've got to be close enough with the Lord to know when he's saying to move on and when he's saying to stay. Are you hearing me today? Where are you at with the Lord today? If you're not in a close enough relationship to hear that voice, you're going to have some big problems, right? What would Jairus miss out on if he doesn't hear the voice of Jesus? Jesus. One of the greatest miracles ever, right? We have to hear the voice of the Lord that we can follow. Jesus, with the whole world saying, it's over, give up, forget about it. Jesus says, here's what I'm telling you, Jairus. Don't be afraid. I need you to believe me today. In this Sense of desperation that Jairus is in, then Jairus is going to step out in faith. He takes a leap of faith. He is going to believe Jesus. He's going to trust Jesus. He's going to believe that Jesus has his best interest at heart. He's going to follow Jesus back to his house. He will obey. So, again, the first key is you got to know where we're headed, Lord. Whatever you're saying, what do you want to accomplish? And then the second thing is you have to put all resolve into trusting the Lord that He's going to do what He said He will do. Everybody else had given up. Everybody else had other plans. Jesus has his own plans, and he ignores the men from the house. He tells Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And look in verse 37. They make their way back to Jairus' house, and verse 37, the Scripture says, He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler... Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and he said to them, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead, but asleep. And look at verse 40. And they laughed at him. Are you tracking with that? The things that the Lord wants to do a lot of times, the world will say, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. This cannot happen. This cannot be. Why are, you Why are you making all this noise? She's not dead. She's just asleep. The whole world may say there's no way that this can happen and if Jesus is saying I'm going to do this I'm going to go with him. Even when everything else says I can't trust it, right? Is there any examples like that in the scripture? Noah is building an ark. God said I'm going to flood the earth. <laughs> you need to build an ark. What the whole world say? Oh man, what are you doing building this old big old box? You're nuts right? Three Hebrew boys. The whole world said what? You better bow down. If you don't bow down, what's going to happen? You're going to get burned alive. You better bow down. They decided they would go with God. And what happened? There wasn't even a smell of smoke in their clothes, right? Oh, Daniel, you better not pray. If you pray, you're going to get thrown in the lion's den. They're going to eat you alive. That's what the world said. (laughs) What did Daniel say? I think I'm going to go with God on this one. I'm going to pray to him. I'm going to follow my pattern. What did God do? He delivered him from the mouth of the lions, right? Listen to what the Lord is saying here. The world here is laughing. Oh, you've lost your mind. And Jesus says, no, I've got something to do. So after he put them all out in verse 40, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and they went in where the child was. Jesus, verse 41, he took her by the hand. He said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl. I say to you, get up. Verse 42, I love how Mark always does this. Immediately, immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. And at this they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anybody know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Again, think with me just for a second. Jairus is really putting himself out there before this miracle happens, isn't he? are you hearing the Lord today? He's taking steps of faith. The men that came said, don't have the master come. I'm still going to have the master come. As he gets to the house, they're all weeping and wailing. And then Jesus says, she is asleep. And they all start laughing. And Jesus is going to go in the house. What's Jairus's choice there, right? He could say, hey, I'm a man of influence. I'm a man of prominence. If this goes bad, if we go up there and she's still dead, I'm never going to have any influence anymore. I'm going to lose not only my daughter, I'm going to lose my occupation and my influence. And he takes steps of faith with the Lord all along the way. Hear me out today. Sometimes the Lord is going to ask you to take some steps of faith and there are going to be people that are close to you and people that love you and they're going to mock you and they're going to make fun of you and they're going to say, what are you doing? But if the Lord is speaking, what do you need to do? You better follow, right? Again, this is a silly little thing, but it's a share. When we came over to Indiana from Illinois, there were friends of ours. that were like, what are you doing? This is the craziest thing ever. Why are you doing these steps? I'm like, well, the Lord's telling me to do it. I'm going to go with him. I got to. You guys have the same experiences today, right? Maybe even this week, God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you have a friend in your life this week that the Lord is clearly speaking. And as you talk to them, you'll know it. You'll know what the Lord's direction is. And you need to lift them up and encourage them to keep walking with the Lord. And Jairus does that. He walks with the Lord. They go up to the room. Jesus speaks. The girl arises and she awakes and she walks. And they marvel. What do you notice about the first story and the second story? What are the people at the end of the story always doing? (laughs) They are terrified and they marvel, right? Because the power of God is so great. Today, I don't know what your fear is. I know you have some. And I'm asking you to not be afraid, but believe. Listen for the Lord's voice and follow his steps. In conclusion this morning, I want to read you Psalm 27. If you got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 27 today. This is a great psalm for you. When things are making you afraid or when you're nervous or really worried about something, I think this is a great psalm to pour into your heart. It's even a good psalm to be a prayer, uh, if you'll take it that way. So let's just read through this psalm together, and then we'll, we'll be done this morning. Psalm 27, the scripture says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength or the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing, look at his mission here, one thing I ask from the Lord, this one do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. And at a sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. And I will sing and I will make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, verse 8, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, my God, my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Isn't that good? The Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. But I will remain confident of this, verse 13. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That's good, isn't it? Let that scripture be medicine to your heart today and to people that you love this week. Where's your faith today? What do you believe? Do you believe Jesus was a real person? Do you believe he really stopped the storm? Do you believe he really raised this girl from the dead? Do you believe that he died on the cross for the sins of the world? Do you believe that he is God? Do you believe that he rose again? Do you believe that he literally will come again one day? Do you see him coming again? Are you acting on those beliefs? If you believe these things are true, then how should we live? Right here. Today, identify your fear this morning. Are you afraid of becoming a Christian? Maybe you're not a Christian today and the Lord is challenging you to do that. Are you afraid of surrendering your life to Christ? Well, if I really give out to Jesus, he may send me to India, (laughs) which was wonderful, by the way. He may send me to Russia. He may send me to Brazil. Will you surrender? Are you afraid of living a life that no person can possibly live? Only believe. Second thing today, are you afraid of going where God is leading you to go? You don't know where the income or the money will come from. You don't know how the Lord will provide if God is leading, leading, excuse me, if God is leading, he will provide. Only believe. Here's the one for your preacher today. Are you afraid of failing? You know God is leading you to try, but are you too scared to fail? What does Jesus say to you today? Don't be afraid. Only believe. And finally, whatever your fear, whatever your concern this morning. If this is the catch, if God is the one leading you, He will sustain you. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Okay? All right. Rejection, anxiety, and fear. Next week we're just going to talk about straight up chaos. Okay? Rejection, anxiety, fear. In rejection we talked about what at the end of that day? There is nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, right? I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I am a child. God. Amen? Don't let some rejection come your way that you feel like, oh, you are accepted. You're not rejected. And everybody today, by the way, you are accepted here. You have family here that love you and care for you. You are accepted. Anxiety comes and it, it hits us hard. The Scripture reminds us from Peter, humble ourselves and the Lord will lift us up. When? In due time. Right? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord in His timing. And that's your path to dealing with anxiety. Again, last week we saw, pour out your heart, cast your cares on the Lord. He cares for you. And then finally today, when that fear starts to overwhelm you, listen to Jesus speak to Jairus. You've got to get close enough to the Lord to hear his voice so that when he says, don't be afraid, only believe, you'll know where to pursue what path to head down. All All right, let's stand up this morning and we'll take a little time to pray again today. And So let's just take a quiet moment here. And if you're dealing with one of these things today, please take it before the Lord. Pour out your heart to the Lord today. Uh, today, if you know someone who is facing some intense fear, pray that the Lord will give you this message and these verses and this passage that you can repackage it in a way that you can share it with them, that they'll hear it and that they'll find comfort and strength in this time. So, Let's take a little time to pray today.